As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to another bonus episode of Kotaku Split Screen. I am here with CD Projekt Red's Patrick Mills, a quest designer on the very impressive Cyberpunk 2077. Patrick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And, um, of course, I am Jason Schreier, news editor at Kotaku. I didn't say that before. I should always introduce myself just in case. Just in case. In case people stumble upon this podcast and are like, mm-hmm. who is this? Who is talking? Um, Patrick, tell me a little bit about what you do at CD Projekt Red. What does it mean to be a quest designer? Well, a uh, quest designer is uh, it's an interesting position, and I'm really glad to have it. What it is is that you're responsible for conceiving the scenarios that the player is going to do mm-hmm. and how they're going to do it. But it goes beyond that because it's about coordinating all the different parts that go into that and making sure that the end user experience is exactly how we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about you know like an animator's job is to care about second by second. Uh, and a story writer's job is to care hour by hour, but it's a quest designer's job to care minute by minute. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like CD Projekt Red might be the only company I know of that has a quest department yes. that's like only quests. Because mm-hmm. usually a quest is a combination of the level designer and a writer and an yeah. artist and whatever. But here you have a quest department. Yeah. That just speaks to CD Projekt Red's mentality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's um, that's exactly uh, that's exactly our thing. And, uh, yeah, I've never had a job like this before. Uh-huh. I mean, I've I've done other things before. Um, I used to work at Obsidian, and they have similar similar positions. Uh, but this is the first place where I've been just a quest designer, and I just coordinate those things, and I make them work. I'm responsible for the logic of the game and, mm-hmm. and how all of those things work, but, you know. Cool. So you told me before we started recording that you've been at CD Projekt Red for five years. Yes. Have you been on Cyberpunk that entire time, or are you on The Witcher before? I have been on Cyber... I was originally on Cyberpunk uh, in 2013 when I started there. Uh, we needed extra people to finish Witcher 3 because we had to make sure it was great. Not surprising. And so I worked on Witcher 3 and the expansions. Mm-hmm. There was always development still going on with Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. uh, but I left to go work on Witcher. But I've been back on Cyberpunk since the end of the uh, expansions, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the type of thing where cyberpunk production didn't really fully start until mm-hmm. The Witcher 3 ended. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Until after the DLC of The Witcher We were 3? not in full production until after the DLC was finished. Okay, for got Witcher it. So 3. like mid-2016, and now we're, so I guess two uh, yeah. years of production. Something and like that. Yeah. yeah, the reason I bring that up is because I just watched this demo. Impressive, super impressive demo. Thank you. It looks sort of like a cross between Deus Ex and The Witcher and GTA mm-hmm. and all those other lovely things. Um, but it actually, it looks further on than I mm-hmm. thought it would be at this point. Are we closer to release than people might think? Well, you know, I wouldn't be able to say. Okay. And uh, one of the reasons is, is uh, you know, creating this thing that you saw today uh-huh. has been an enormous amount of work. Uh-huh. And uh, man, I can't even imagine how much time has just been on the demo. And 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 well, and you know, and beyond that, it's one of those things where you're never sure exactly how much work everything is going to be until you actually have to do it. Right. So we're not willing to commit to any kind of time frame yeah, yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. because we need to make sure that this game is great uh-huh. and uh, and lives up to the standards that we've set. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's cool. Um, do you did you guys? How long have you been working just on this fifty minute demo that was here? Oh, uh, 
in some shape or form a, a while. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I really couldn't say exactly how long, but uh, but a while. And uh, and a lot of people have worked on it and worked very hard on it. Do you it, ever so. feel like it's a waste of work to work on something that is just going to be displayed at E3? And well, then... no, because this is this is you know this is part of our game. It'll of course be different when you play it in the game, but this will. We're not going to waste any of this. Mm-hmm, I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about your specific role. So you've been a quest designer. You worked on The Witcher. You worked on Cyberpunk. How is like the quest mentality? The quest design mentality uh, for you guys changed since The Witcher? What are some of the things you wish you could do better? What are the things mm. you want to do differently um, for this, for Cyberpunk? Well, you know, one of the things uh, working on the expansions for Witcher 3 that we started to, to, to look more into uh, was the principle that if it was logically believable that your character would do a certain thing or could do it in a different order or could do those things, we would want to support that. And uh-huh. we want to do that with Cyberpunk as well. Um, of course, now we're dealing with a character that might have more options. You know, Geralt had... He, he he knew how to, he had very good senses he had a good sword arm and that's you know and a good knowledge of monsters and that took him through in this case you can play you know mixing and matching with these three different archetypes these three different skill sets that we have uh-huh. the solo the techie and the netrunner okay and so that is uh that's an extra layer of complexity so our quests are extremely complex uh-huh. right now and it's it's uh yeah it's daunting but we hope we can do it what's so, the difference yeah. between a solo techie and a netrunner uh, solo. These are all characters. Uh, these are all character types from the original Cyberpunk 2020, and uh, the solo is sort of the go in, shoot, get the job done, go straight on in. Uh, it, even there, though, we have different types inside that. You saw in the trail in the demo, uh, V you know runs around and wall runs and things like that. That's one archetype you could take. But Jackie, on the other hand, is a different type of solo. Lifts cars to create cover and that sort of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Techie is more interested in technology. Jackie and is tools. the companion character you. Have. I should yes, say for yes, people who haven't of watched course, it. Yes, uh, yes. Of course. Um, uh, and, uh, and then the techie is more interested in technology and, tools, yeah. and hacking and, and breaking things and fixing things. Uh-huh. The Netrunner is, uh, you saw just a little glimpse of that in the demo where uh-huh. she hacks one of the gangsters. Right. Um, so basically she yeah. takes like the, the shard, which is this little mm-hmm. chip out of them, out of the gangster, like sneaks up behind her, takes it, and then hacks into it and uses it to z- disable guns from mm-hmm. everyone else in the complex. Yes. And so that's, that's sort of our third archetype is uh-huh. the Netrunner. Cool. And it seems like you're not picking one of these. You just kind of no, like go through. No, and... you fluidly move between them. Yeah. Uh, in the original 2020, you'd pick a class, and you could pick skills from other classes, but you were that class, and you mm-hmm. had special abilities unique right. to that class. Right. We don't want to is... do that. We want you to be able to move freely between those. More flexible. Those. So, yeah. So, you were saying, so, that just increases the complexity when it comes to quest design? Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you guys have to consider, like, is every single quest going to go in potentially three different directions based on what class you are, plus all the other Plus possibly. all the story, all the different story beats and, you know, what order you do things in and how you play, you know, the different characters off one another. Uh-huh. So, yes, they, they, they are extraordinarily complicated. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, so obviously I came out and talked to a bunch of folks at CD Projekt Red when I was working on the book in the chapter about The Witcher 3. And one of the things that people kept telling me is that, A, they made so many quests and, like, cut half of them and mm-hmm. kept iterating them all over and over and over again. And it just seems like you guys have this really interesting, like, super intense process. Mm-hmm. Um, have you changed that at all for CD Projekt Red, or you follow, or for Cyberpunk? Are you following a similar kind of path where you you put quests on a board and you go through them and you say, "All right, these are the best." Now we're going to keep iterating on them over and over again. One of the things that is necessary to make the th- the things that we want to make as good as we can make them is, um, well, it's a bit like a maze. 
you're inside the maze and you need to find your way out. And sometimes uh-huh. you're going to walk down dead ends. And sometimes you're going to walk down a dead end and you don't know it's a dead end yeah. until a very long time. And what you need to be willing to do is go back and try a different path. Mm-hmm. And so that does mean iteration and that does mean sometimes cutting things mm-hmm. and adding things late and just having to make them work. So, yeah. Can you give me an example of like something, a dead end that you've run into recently? Oh, I don't know that I could specifically speak about anything okay. because we wouldn't want to. But... Um, uh, but yeah, like, uh, like you mentioned, Witcher Three. I could yeah. talk a little bit about sure. Witcher Three. Um, you know, we had uh, we had uh, uh, quests in there and characters in there that we really wanted to put in there, and then uh, ultimately we said, you know, it's not working, yeah. and w- we spent a lot of resources making those things, um, but we had to be willing to say it's not working. We're not gonna we're not gonna do this. We're mm-hmm. gonna remove this, mm-hmm. and uh, and just commit to that and do it. And I know that there's a uh, a reluctance. Uh, sometimes to say, but but we made it. You know, it's there. It's content. Yeah, but it's not good content. So uh-huh. you have to get rid of it sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, with something like uh, with The Witcher, one of the things that I kept hearing is that like it's so, it's sometimes really hard to tell whether a quest is working when you're playing it with gray boxes and none of the mm-hmm. animations are in and none of the voice acting. Oh is yeah. In. So how do you even determine that? Sometimes you have to go and you have to make the thing uh-huh, and you have to uh-huh. make it and you have to almost finish it before uh-huh. you realize that it definitely and won't work. Terrible. And then, and then you're like, uh-oh, and, now where we are. Yeah, no. and then, then, then the secret is to make sure that you don't waste any of that and to try to figure out how to use it in uh-huh. other ways. Um, so, yeah. So are you guys aiming for a similar number of quests to The Witcher? Are you aiming for bigger, smaller uh, well, I wouldn't be able to comment too much on the story at this point or, or exactly what it's on offer, but we, yeah. we do want to have lots and lots of side quests, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, some, some sort of parody with The Witcher. Uh, certainly, we want lots and lots of things for you to mm-hmm. be able to do, and they need to all be CD Projekt quality. Yeah, so. is it all set within Night City, which is the California city that it we is. just saw? It's all it's set, all in, it's all set in Night City. Yeah. Um, Night City has six different districts. Oh, wow. Uh, in the demo, you saw one of them, which okay. is Watson. Yeah. Uh, we're describing it as a fallen corporate giant. It used to be very, very rich, and now it's not so rich anymore. Got it. Um, but we have uh, a variety of different places. We have uh, Pacifica, which is like a slums area uh, that's so dangerous they call it the combat zone. Uh-huh. And uh, Westbrook, which is mansions and uh, and and luxury high rises nice. and things like that. Nice. So, yeah. The rich district mm-hmm. is it? Um, is it tough to have to stick to a single city after coming from? a game where you guys had like multiple countries multiple mm-hmm. different dis- very distinct regions with their own flavors and textures i think what we're getting with the districts is we're getting something very similar to that because uh-huh. they're all very distinct they almost do feel like different cities but they should glue together into a really coherent city that mm-hmm. you can really believe in mm-hmm. and uh uh anything that you think the city should have we want to have that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um in the Witcher, obviously, there were some very specific archetypes for quests. There was the contract. There was mm-hmm. you go and you talk to someone and they put you on some adventure and then there's a twist or something like that. But it's all it was all very much like this is what mm-hmm. Geralt would do in this mm-hmm. scenario. Here we have V, who seems to be sort of like a cross between a predefined character and a character creator because you can pick mm-hmm. um, his or her gender. You mm-hmm. can pick... Uh, background and stuff like that as we just saw in the demo um, when you're writing quests for a, to- a character that could be mm-hmm. one of many different personalities how do you know like how do- where do you even start with something like that uh, it's it's a matter of you know iteration uh, some uh, on some level uh, you you go through and you say well wait a minute I'd really like to be able to solve this a different way and uh-huh. then you have to build that in um, 
Uh, beyond that, I think what's really actually very cool about being able to have this is that you're not constrained you know, what would Geralt do? Right. You can say, what would just any, you know, dirtbag do? Yeah. Well, because, yeah, you know, you're sure. kind of playing sort of a, a bit of a dirtbag. Yeah. Um, but you can, you, there's a lot more variety. It doesn't have to be quite as honorable. doesn't as... always have to be honorable. And, you know, uh, uh, V lives in a, a world that's very, very dangerous and full yeah. of intrigue and full of danger. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how players decide to navigate through that, not just uh, in terms of uh, solving quests, but also just morally and ethically. Yeah, can yeah. you go in just, like, totally evil directions? Is that an option? In the- it would be too early to talk about that. Okay. Uh, there'd be some story details. So I, I, yeah, I don't want to get you to spill, no, spill I know, too many. I, know. I don't want to know any story. Uh, I just want this game what, in my hands. What I, what I will say is, uh, is you know, it is a game with choice and consequence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, sometimes you're going to make choices that, that uh, you might think are the bad ones, and mm-hmm. they turn out being good. And yeah. sometimes you'll make good ones that turn out to be bad. Yeah. We really don't like to have, uh, you know, good guys and bad guys. Uh-huh. We like to have big, complex characters. Got it. So something I thought was really interesting in the demo, and I, I have to describe this well because it doesn't look Please. like th- this demo is going to be shown outside of E3, unfortunately. But um, not only were there dialogue choices, like do you're talking to this guy and negotiating mm-hmm. over something and you can either threaten him or you can try to mollify the situation but also you can always like pull out your gun mm-hmm. or grab someone else's gun and that's really interesting it seems like it's it's going a little bit beyond the dialogue mm-hmm. choice is that is that going to have different sort of ramifications than just like choosing from a dialogue tree is that how does that work exactly uh in terms of how it works uh well what we're aiming for is we're aiming for us a, a dialogue system that is completely immersive. You're never out of those dialogues. Um, but in terms of you know making sure that the player feels immersed in them, you have to give them lots and lots of options. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's that's really what we're aiming for. And it is really complicated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's really really complicated, and it's really hard to do. But you know, we, it's what we've promised, so we yeah. got to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> is it? So it seems like more ambitious than The Witcher, even. And The Witcher was oh, yes. one of the most this is, ambitious games we've ever uh, seen. I've I've been in this industry for a long time, and this is the most ambitious thing I've ever even seen, much wow. less worked on. Yeah, that's, that's it's and it. You know, we really have to make it work. You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. It's going to be remarkable to see, like, like going from The Witcher. I mean, you guys have high standards to mm-hmm. uh, to live up to. Must be must be a lot of pressure. I, I gotta say, it is, and we have to we have to be humble and we have to you know do it. We have uh-huh. to do the hard work. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a long road ahead, but so so. How big is the quest department these days? Oh, the quest department is um, about ten individuals, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we coordinate with uh, you know the cinematics team and the level design team, right? And the right, right. Team you and guys are yeah. just working with everybody, and mm-hmm. then so when you guys are like divvying up the labor, how does that work? Is it like a a, a writers a TV writers room where you each get assignments and you have to go off and do? Um, uh, each quest designer is responsible for their individual quests. Cool. And generally, we like to keep it so that a designer, when they pitch the quest, that designer then works on that quest. Okay. Um, so we have a, you know, uh, uh, we have ownership over those things because uh-huh. each of those need to be stories. And stories are complicated things yes. with, you know, characters and themes and uh-huh. all of those. And, and it's really best to leave those in the hands of the people that had the that that really see it for what it, they want it to be. Mm-hmm. And how does the pitching process work for you guys? Uh, generally, we pitch uh, you know between a paragraph and a 
couple of pages okay. of an idea of what okay. we want. Do you have to pitch it to the whole quest room? Uh, we or typically you pitch, pitch it. To it uh, we pitch it to uh, our directors mm-hmm. uh, um, and uh, with the story team's assistance, and uh, and yeah, that's. That's how that goes. Uh-huh. And are you like? Do you did you do all the quest pitching in the beginning of the process? It is, is it an ongoing thing where you're still coming up with new quests as you go. Yes. Uh, so we do that. So what we get usually for like the main story is we'll get uh, we'll get an arc from the we'll get a you know description of the main story from the story team, and then what our job is is to break that into chunks that we can turn into gameplay sections, mm-hmm. into quests, pitch those. Um, get those approved and move on, and then side quests uh, will be done after that, so that Got they can it. they can reference uh, events and themes and characters from the main story. Got it. So it's main quest, side quests, and then are there any and equivalent then, of like contracts and stuff? W- like? Yes, we also have uh, street stories. Okay. And um, in terms of uh, their specific process, I couldn't comment on it. Yeah. Uh, because it's a different department. Yeah. Um, but those are smaller stories that we want you to uh, you know the the things that you'll see around the city, uh-huh. uh, the the characters that you'll meet around the city, and there's a lot of uh, interplay between those systems because uh-huh. we don't really want you to notice the difference between those systems. It's uh, they mentioned at the demo something called Street Cred. Is that mm-hmm. a system that's tied to all this? What is that? Exactly? Uh, street Cred is uh, is as you do jobs uh, and complete those jobs and do a good job, uh-huh. people learn about you and okay. then they're more willing to ask you. To help them with their problems, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and that's more or less what street cred is. It also allows you. It's it's also our leveling mechanic. So as you gain street cred, you gain more abilities uh, and things got like it, that as got well. It, got it. So it's uh, it's tied directly into the into the story and how that works, but also the systems. So. Got it. So it's not like oh you're a witcher, come and help me. It's like oh your street cred is. It's your it's it's more like it's more like oh you're a mercenary and uh-huh. we know that you're reliable. Uh-huh. Uh, we know that you did that job, uh, and we want to have people specifically reference you know events. We want it to be very reactive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So how are you guys worried at all about like cyberpunk cliche and just falling mm-hmm. too hard into it? It seems like you guys are embracing a lot of the cyberpunk cliche. Absolutely. Well, you, one of the joys of working in a in a genre that is is as storied as this one is that we can pick and choose sure. between the things that we want to keep and the things that we don't want to keep and the things that we want to borrow and the things that we want to steal. Uh-huh. Um, we have a wide variety of influences to look at. Um, and that's actually it's it's been a benefit really. Yeah. Um, as far as cliche, I mean, I think that this genre is more relevant than it's ever been. Sure, um, you know, <laughs> I think it's dystopian. It's yes. it's it's, dystopian it's future. It very much speaks to the current moment, and uh, and I'm very excited to work on it. Honestly, yeah. It's so so when you say you're like looking back, I'm sure you guys played mm-hmm. and watched a bazillion different cyberpunk related things. What what are some of the things you wouldn't want to put in this game? Oh, um, well, we wouldn't want to limit ourselves, I think, um, to any specific style. This is uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and it's based on 2020. And if you look back at that, that is our main point of reference, right? Um, But at the same time, you see things that you want to borrow and you want to take uh, from other places. And so you bring those in. Yeah. Um, But specifically things that we'd want to avoid i mean you'll see when you play the game yeah. you'll see the things that we avoided so <laughs> but but that might be years away we have no it might idea be. it We're, might be fans are desperate for some tiny little details about anything no i'm just kidding it's i okay. know good it's things okay. come to those who wait I yeah mean, that's all i can say i mean people have been waiting a long time for yeah. this especially after the witcher 3 yeah. and it's cool to finally get to see it um one of the things a lot of people are asking me is if you have to stay in first person the entire time or if there's also like a third person like skyrim 
zoom-ish, zoom-out mode. So there won't be any control from third person. You won't be uh, you won't be playing from third person. Okay. However, because I know um, you can drive in third person. In third person, you can you can drive uh, you can drive in third person. Yes. Uh, in terms of uh, Thank gameplay, God, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of uh, gameplay, you won't be able to play from third person. Uh-huh. However, you'll still get to see your character a lot mm-hmm. um, in key cutscenes, key moments like that. Right. 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 Um, right. Additionally. Uh, um, uh, reflective surfaces and things like that. So Got it. you'll definitely be able to see your character. Got it. Um, but yeah, I don't. Th- I, I didn't see any sort of like Deus Ex style zoom out to cover system. Mm-hmm. It seemed more like a first person. No, we really want to keep you in first person cover. for yeah. the vast, vast majority of the game. Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that you guys went from this third person hack mm-hmm. and slash action game to suddenly in first person yeah. shooter. <laughs> well, it's 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 been really great for us actually because, well, for me, I mean, like if you play a third person game uh, and you look up. Right, just try to look up. Just yeah. look straight up, yeah. and it never really works. Yeah. Right, like yeah. I've. It, it's there are probably games that have done it, uh-huh. but I I couldn't name one off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Um, and in Cyberpunk, you need to be able to look up and feel those skyscrapers and that canyon of glass and uh-huh. steel uh-huh. bearing down on you and trying to swallow you alive. Uh-huh. And first person's the only way you're going to experience that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I know we have to wrap things up soon, but mm-hmm. um, you mentioned you were at Obsidian before. Did you happen to work on Alpha Protocol? I did. Because I did this, work on Alpha there was some, some definitely some Alpha Protocol DNA in here. Well, thank you. Yeah, which is a great game, of yes, course. I, I, I'm glad that it has found its audience. It has, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it was the type of game that felt like it didn't really know. Like, it, it, it wanted to be a shooter and an mm-hmm. RPG, but it couldn't really master the mm-hmm. shooter part of things. Yeah. Um, this feels more like it's embracing full-on mm-hmm. shooting yeah shooting mechanics is it uh how does the shooting feel uh the shooting feels really good right yeah. now actually yeah. I, I i actually really like it um uh, of course you know uh from from my perspective when i'm playing the game i'm usually testing it so uh-huh. i use developer cheats to make sure everybody's got one hit point and i just run through the Fair room enough. with a that smart gun makes things feel a lot easier it's it's, it's certainly a lot faster to work that way uh-huh. but whenever i turn those developer cheats off and i actually engage in the gunplay yeah. it feels really good yeah it it's really cool good. that you guys can go in a direction where you can use all sorts yeah. of futuristic weapons there was one yeah. weapon that i should mention um is that it like you don't even have to aim you just fire in a direction mm-hmm. and it'll automatically target your enemies and if everybody's got one hit point because of developer cheats <laughs> that's the weapon you want to go with that feels good yeah. awesome um patrick thank you so much for uh for coming on the show people can of course find your work at cd project red anywhere else they can find you uh, yes you can follow me on uh twitter at cool. p kernigan and cool. uh it's uh, difficult to spell but p k e r n a g h a n cool very much well people can find you there and of course cyberpunk whenever it's ready yes when it's ready great when thank it's you again thank you Kotaku Split Screen is an official podcast of Kotaku.com. It's produced by Kirk Hamilton and me, Jason Schreier. Kirk edits and mixes the podcast and also wrote and performed our theme song and other music. We're a part of the Fusion Podcast Network, where Mandana Mufidi is executive producer of audio. You can find us on popular podcast services like Panoply, NPR Now, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And we hope you leave us a review if you like what you hear. Find old episodes at Kotaku.com slash splitscreen or email us at splitscreen at Kotaku.com.